This is a marketing communication. Please refer to the key information document or KID before making any final investment decisions. Investing involves risk. The value of an investment and the income from it may fall as well as rise and investors might not get back the full amount invested. Past performance does not predict future returns. The mention of any particular security or strategy should not be considered as a recommendation. For further information on the Alliance Technology Trust, please go to www.alliancetechnologytrust.com. Hello and welcome to Silicon Valley Bite Size, an update on the tech sector from the Alliance Technology Trust. I'm Cherry Reynard. ATT invests in a carefully curated portfolio of quoted technology companies across the globe with the aim of achieving long-term capital growth. Since 2007, the trust has been managed by our experienced team based in Silicon Valley. For our latest episode of Bite Size, we have two of that team here with us. I'm joined by Mike Seidenberg and Walter Price to talk us through the key developments in the technology sector and share their insights. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, Walter. Hi, Cherry. How are you? Hi, Cherry. Let's start with a look at the technology sector as a whole. Um, it's been quite a rocky start to the year, to say the least, uh, with considerable volatility for many technology names. Mike, perhaps you could kick us off by talking through the performance of the technology sector over the last six months or so. Yeah, as you correctly uh, uh, said in your question, it has been a, a tough start to the year uh, for the technology sector. Look, we've, we've had a variety of headwinds, one of which is you know, rising interest rates as governments around the world try to you know, kind of corral inflation. Um, uh, we've had higher, um, higher inflation, obviously, um, than we expected. And net-net, this has really hurt the technology sector, which, you know, there are other sectors that have been hurt as well. Um, I think that what you've seen is in the higher growth names, they've really, they've really come down in price as people think about interest rates um, going up. So, you know, I think that, you know, for, at the, for the most part, you know, looking at the Q1 results and we're moving into Q2, the actual results from the companies have been solid. Um, I think there was a worry and a concern um, that we obviously um, are thinking about as well, which is as the economy uh, becomes more difficult, um, you will see you know sales sales cycles potentially elongate for companies. You'll see demand start to you know start to slow down for certain products and services. So it's something we're taking into consideration as we think about our portfolio, and it's something we position ourselves uh, to weather. Thanks, Mike. And then, uh, Walter, where have valuations got to? I mean, do they now look more realistic than they did six months, a year ago? Yeah, valuations have come down a lot, uh, you know, at least 50%. Um, if we look at valuations on the high-growth software companies, for example, they're now at or below the level they got to in 2018 during that correction. So, um you know, I, I would say the valuation concern uh, or valuation compression that we have been worried about, uh, I think that's largely in the rearview mirror. What people are concerned about now is uh, earnings progression and how much earnings have to be cut if we're, if we're really going into a recession in 2023. And um, Mike, are you seeing, up, you know, after this, this sort of period, of a more difficult period, are you seeing any opportunities emerging? And 
If so, have they been sort of concentrated in any particular areas? Yeah, as Walter alluded to, you know, as valuations have come in, we've obviously sharpened our pencil and kind of looked around the technology sector for opportunities. I I think at the, you know, at the margin, we continue to really focus on some of the themes that we've been looking at for the past couple of years, whether that's, you know, things like cybersecurity, um, electronic vehicles and the ecosystem associated with that. Um, and the move to digital. Look, I think all of those are really multi-year journeys. Um, so, you know, we, we, we're looking, you know, we're going through the portfolio, asking ourselves at a product level, company by company, you know, is this a must-have, a nice-to-have, or, a, you know, we can put off, so to speak, from a budgetary and spend perspective. Um, so that's how we've approached it. Um, and hopefully, you know, as we work ourselves through the back half of the year, though you will continue to see more dispersion um, amongst the technology stocks, which, you know, generally speaking, have sold off kind of broad based. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of, um, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, thought to, you know, from a sector perspective. So we think certain sectors probably emerge um, stronger um, as we get as we go into a tighter spending environment. Okay, thanks, Mike. And then Walter, um, Mike mentioned earlier that the earnings have been reasonably strong to date, but then you say people are still worried about recession and what's going to happen to those earnings over the longer term. I mean, are there any clues as to how that might play out? Well, I mean, we're talking to CIOs all the time about their budget prioritization and how they're changing that. you know, I, I think that in the case of uh, this movement to the cloud, which saves them money and gets them more flexibility, I think they're unlikely to, to slow those projects. They're kind of in the middle of that process. So our view is they're going to continue to, for the next couple of years, to complete that process. I think cybersecurity, the threats are growing and uh, the consequences are growing. And so... Uh, you know, I think when we talk to CIOs, they're saying that's one area that we're not going to cut. We're going to continue to invest in that area. You know, I, I, I think when it comes to replacing hardware, updating uh, existing software in their, in their infrastructure, I think those things can be postponed uh, as they were during the pandemic. So, I would, you know, we've already seen uh, the consumer postpone buying TVs and laptops and PCs. Um, and I think corporations are going to go down that same path as we as we go into this slowing economy. And I would just add, just on that note, you know, the U.S. dollar strengthening is a real headwind against most of these businesses because they tend to bring back a lot of their, you know, regardless of how they sell, it's either more expensive in a local currency or they need to translate it back. Um, to the U.S. So I think that's something we're thinking about, you know, as a headwind and how that impacts uh, the businesses as well. I think IBM called out uh, the other night in their conference call that it was a 600 basis point headwind against their revenue. You know, that's material. Thanks, Mike. Um, Walter, what about the health of the U.S. economy? I mean, are we near to kind of peak inflation and then possibly a let up in interest rate rises? Um, you know, how do you see that panning out over over the second half of the year? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, inflation continues to surprise us on the upside. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and we were probably more cautious than most in thinking about the durability of inflation. Uh, you know, what, what, you know, I started my career, we had a high rate of inflation in the U.S. and it took us almost 10 years to get it under control and, you know, through recession. So I'm I'm hopeful that the Fed is going to be, uh, you know, much more resolute in their effort to contain inflation, and and uh, it'll be a much shorter process. But in, you know, inflation is hard to contain. Once people see that they can raise prices, you're seeing a lot of companies on the consumer side say, "Oh, this is a good opportunity to increase the price of a box of cereal." For example, uh, their their costs didn't go up 25 percent, but they can raise their prices, and so. You, you really have to uh, you really have to put pressure on that uh, trend to increasing prices uh, before it gets out of control. And Mike, I mean, are there any parts of the technology sector that are particularly vulnerable to the economic climate, and that possibly you're avoiding as a as a consequence? You know, if I think about the technology sector and inflation, I actually think that a lot of the companies actually help, um, you know, help with it to the extent that they make their, they make employees more efficient, they make sales processes more e efficient and effective. Um, look, I think at the margin, as I think about just the demand for consumer goods, you know, that's something that we're thinking about pretty, pretty hard. Um, so, you know, if you took, for example, you know, the ability um, you know, to, to see an e-tailer um, sell goods, you know, that, that's something where I would think that inflation probably is more of a challenge. I think for a lot of our core, you know, core technology products, um, you know, I think they actually help with it in that, you know, you can make your employees more efficient. Um, and that's something we think a lot about, uh, you know, I always jokingly say that, you know, you only buy technology if you can, you know, grow, grow your revenues, take out costs, or, you know, make your customers happier. So those are kind of the three key, reason, key, key reasons. So I, I'm thinking more in terms of the, more on the semiconductor side where we may see some challenges. But here again, you know, you have a lot of core fundamental drivers of that industry, such as content going up, um, across devices, you know, it, you have a whole new emerging sector uh, with respect to the electronic vehicles. Um, so, you know, we're picking and choosing, you know, um, and making sure that companies that are experiencing inflation can basically potentially pass those on to their customers uh, in some way, shape or form. Okay. And, and what's happening on supply chains? I mean, you mentioned the semiconductor sector there, and that seems to have been a, a bit of a a problem there. Um, is this still a constraint in the, in the tech sector or are you seeing that resolve at all? No, absolutely. It's a constraint. Uh, you know, Walter and I were on a call this morning. We have a call every morning uh, before, you know, early to talk about what, what happened overnight with the company. So I think that, you know, the supply chain uh, challenges remain. I think companies are working through them, um, you know, thinking of really clever, innovative ways to deal with it. Uh, but, you know, we are not back to normal. Um, so that is still something we, we, th we think a lot about and how it impacts businesses. Okay, thanks. Um, perhaps we could turn to the trust now. I mean, perhaps if I could ask both of you what what changes have been made to the trust over the quarter? You know, anything you'd highlight? Um, perhaps, Mike, if you could go first on that. 
Yeah, no real major changes. You know, we started repositioning the trust um, about a year ago as we were worried about some of the high growth names. Um, clearly, we didn't pivot enough. But you know, I think that from the trust perspective, I wouldn't describe this quarter as something where we've had major, um, major strategy shifts. Um, uh, you know, I think we continue to kind of make sure that we have conviction in the names we own and, you know, trying to weather the storm uh, that we're in, knowing that on the other side, you know, we still think that a lot of these products and services have multi-year trajectories that, and they solve really difficult problems. So, you know, I think that's kind of been our mindset thus far. Walt, anything to add there? We did, we did a little tactical trimming in some of the, some companies that were experiencing issues like uh, a little trimming in some of the semiconductor companies and the equipment companies and a uh, little tactical trimming in Tesla uh, because of the, the lockdown in China. Uh, but, you know, I think in general, the portfolio structure has been pretty, sim- pretty, pretty much the same. It's kind of a barbell with, uh, you know, a lot of value and stocks on the semi side and uh, on the and continued to keep our focus on high growth companies uh, on the other side, uh, both GARP companies like the big cap tech companies, as well as uh, some of the high growth uh, software companies that are exposed to the cloud. And Walter, you mentioned the semiconductor sector there. I mean, it, the, the trust has a reasonably chunky holding in semiconductors, but you say you've trimmed that a little bit recently. Can you can you just talk us through that and what's been happening in the sector? You know, you're thinking on that. Well, I think that, uh, you know, there are parts of the semiconductor industry that are, that are feeling uh, oversupply and seeing orders cut back. Uh, you know, in particular, anybody associated with the consumer. In general, we're, we're happy with the way the companies are reacting to this uh, decline by postponing uh, capital expenditures and postponing bringing on new capacity and uh, accumulating some inventory, uh, which uh, they feel is uh, uh, going to sustain them uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, they can resell the inventory as they did in 2019 when they went through this process. So, you know, we, we, we like the fact that the companies are adapting to a slowing environment and uh, maintaining their profitability, maintaining their cash flow. Um, so, but, you know, we have done some trims. There. And Walter, sticking with you, if I can, um, Tesla also remains a significant position. Um, and yet some of its, I sense that some of its competitors have had a slightly um, tougher time. Is it, is the evolution of the electric car market sort of in line with your expectations? Is that growing as you expected it would do? Actually, the market's been stronger than we expected. Um, you know, the market will probably be up 70% this year. Uh, a lot of that growth coming out of China and Europe. Uh, the U.S. is kind of a laggard, but even in the U.S., higher gas prices and uh, lots of advertising by competitors to Tesla, I think, are getting people to think that uh, their next car is going to be an EV. And so uh, Tesla's lead times have gone out. They've increased price a lot. But, you know, they've also had their supply issues uh, with their factory in Shanghai, where uh, that city was shut down for two months. And they, you know, they, their production went from, uh, uh, you know, almost uh, 
80,000 cars a month to, uh, you know, a few thousand cars a month. That, that's, that, that's a big issue for profitability for the company. So I think the second quarter is going to be difficult, but hopefully after that, uh, we're going to see, uh, you know, very strong results from the company going forward. And just to add on that, since Walter mentioned the popularity, uh, I saw yesterday on Bloomberg that the Model Y is currently the most popular car um, in the United States from a from an aspirational perspective, probably not from a volume perspective. But I think I think the awareness um, of EVs, you know, because of the pain at the pump, at least in the U.S., is really high right now. I mean, you, I, I'm I'm I, I am taken aback by the number of people I speak with across, you know, multiple aspects of my life, both personal and professional, who are, are really thinking hard about an EV um, that I, I don't think they would have thought, you know, thought about it two or three years ago. So I think, I think that there's, you know, you have a lot of factors driving uh, the awareness and the demand. And one of which obviously is, you know, the environment. I think that, you know, all of us are living, you know, in, in a world where we're seeing real tangible change um, to the environment that, that that is impacting us, you know, if, if we think about just you know the weather and uh, whatnot. So, yeah, absolutely. I I sense that everyone either has a Tesla or wants a Tesla. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, it, there's obviously um, another another key problem is is has been wage inflation, and you know a lot of technology companies really rely on their on their kind of human capital. Uh, you know, the best engineers and that kind of thing. Um, are you seeing technology companies doing anything in particular to sort of incentivize staff at, at a time of, of, of rising wages? Um, Mike, I'll put that to you. Yeah, I think a couple of things. A, you know, as we're in a tougher technology environment and the public side, that obviously flows through to the private side, right? So, you know, if you take a look at companies funded, year to date versus a year ago that that's materially different so i think some of the some of the rampant you know wage inflation or slash packages that these the really key employees um, are were obtaining um, probably at the margin like the pressure there has gone down um, and i think also that generally speaking people want to be in a more safe environment as you go into a, a, you know, a somewhat more unknown economy uh, that we're in. So I think at the margin, um, you know, I am hearing less about it. Having said that, I think a lot of companies are, you know, providing cost of living increases. You know, I think some industries, um, you know, not in, particularly in tech are, are giving people gas allowances to get to work, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I, I actually think the hiring environment for the, on the public side is probably better than it was, you know, a year and definitely better than it was two years ago when you just had so much capital being thrown at these startup companies that really enable them to go out and get, you know, the best and the brightest. And look, I think you hit the hammer on the nail. This is an industry where the people are the competitive advantage um, for the most part, uh, generally speaking in tech. So, you know, you're only as good as your employees. And I think therefore they're a really valuable component um, to your to your long-term uh, sustainability and your long-term growth. So they're always gonna be a high priority and they're always gonna be something that, that the technology companies really wanna make sure they, they are able to retain and attract. Okay, thanks Mike. Um, Walter, 
merger and acquisition activity has has been quite a support for for technology companies or the share price of technology companies over the last few years. Are you, I mean, is, is that holding up? And if so, are there any kind of nuances you're seeing to it, any particular types of types of company um, that, are, that are targets? I, th- I think mergers are more difficult in this, this environment because of uh, the scrutiny of governments on large companies. Um, but uh, w- one factor that we've seen this year is private equity has a lot of money, and as valuations have come down, and uh, you know they're looking at models where the the company has a a, a stable growth uh, business, and they're they're saying, oh, it's the, the valuations are right now, and so we've seen several large mergers this year, uh, by or takeovers by private equity, and particularly in the cybersecurity area, but. Uh, you know, I think that's going to continue to, to happen if, as these stocks have now come down to valuations where, uh, you know, if you take a five-year stand, if you take a five-year point of view as a private equity investor, you can make a lot of money at these valuations if, if interest rates do indeed come down and you can refinance the debt that you use to buy the company in the future, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can have quite an attractive return at these valuations. Great. Okay. Thank you. Um, and just finally, um, a quick thought from from both of you. Um, any new areas that you've been looking at over the past quarter? Any sort of exciting technology emerging? Um, Mike, I'll put that to you first. Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. You know, I think that you know as the awareness around ESG continues to um, increase and be a louder drumbeat. I think we're, you know, we're, we're looking for companies that basically can help um, their customers quantify some of the aspects of ESG. So I think that, you know, we, you know, we're kind of looking in that area um, in that if you think about a factory and the, their ability to basically really monitor and basically quantify, you know, their environmental impact, um, I think that you know companies that could do stuff like that uh, are really are interesting, and they probably are products that have you know a kind of a, a multi-decade horizon for them. So that's something you know that that we've thought more about. Look, I think we continue to really think about you know the electronic vehicle ecosystem, as Walter alluded to, and, and kind of how, and how that emerges um, over time. Um, Cybersecurity is clearly something that you know that that we spend lots of time on, um, constantly changing. You know, I mean, primarily because the adversaries are changing their vectors of attack, and therefore, you know, you you need to really make sure that the companies that you own are relevant. Um, you know, to actually stop the attacks. So, um, those are the ones that kind of come to mind. Great, thanks, Mike. And same question to you, Wolf. I would say there are two areas that uh, that are emerging. One is uh, this idea of using data to run your company. I think uh, you know we have a small position and and uh, some companies there, and uh, you know we're we're hearing very good success stories about companies uh, building new product areas where they can sell their customers a service based on taking their data and figuring out how to run the company more efficiently. I, I think that's something that their customers are interested in. And 
it's now possible with uh, some of these new technologies for uh, databases in the cloud and, and uh, using those databases uh, to develop uh, AI models and uh, digital twin models of their factories and their operations. And then the second area that we're looking at is uh, we think because you've gone kind of slow on uh, you know, this movement toward uh, EVs and uh, addressing global warming, that it's going to take uh, it's going to take the technology of uh, carbon capture and carbon sequestration to uh, to basically solve the problem because you've gone slow in addressing the problem, and so uh, it's not going to be enough just to have everybody in an EV in 2050. Uh, that's not going to be soon enough. So. Uh, you know, I think that uh, the idea of reservoir modeling and, and how you how you uh, how you use this technology and who, who the beneficiaries uh, are in terms of uh, building a business and building a moat that uh, is defensible. I mean, that's something that we're looking at. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll wrap up there. Um, if you have any questions on the trust, please go to the website www.alliancetechnologytrust.com or do contact one of the sales team. Uh, thank you, Walter. Thank you, Mike, for all those insights today. And thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs>